but more importantly it's it's how to take something that like i said in the connected space it's all very engineering driven there are solutions built because they can rather than they should but how to take some of those solutions and make them more meaningful for real people i think that's one of the biggest challenges in the connected space Hello and welcome to Conversations with Each Another, a podcast about designing for people and business. My name is Tom Cunningham. I'm a senior visual designer here at Each Another. And today I'm joined by one of my colleagues, one of our principal designers, Mr. Kieran Harris. Welcome to the podcast, Kieran. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure to be here. When we think of smart products, the likes of Nest, Thermostat, and um, Amazon's Alexa often come to mind. And while a great number of connected devices are aimed at the consumer market, there are huge opportunities for bringing smart devices and process automation into the working day for the blue and gray collar workforce. You and I have worked together with a number of clients in a similar industrial slash enterprise space over the past couple of years. So I thought this would be a good subject for discussion. We've worked on a couple of projects on the connected space. One thing that we find in many aspects of our business, but I think it's accentuated in the IoT and the connected side, the connected world, is that things are built and they're not designed. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of software that's built, a lot of hardware solutions and a lot of connected hardware solutions that are built um, by, you know, very skilled, but very engineering orientated people. They're working on hardware orientated solutions. And quite often when we get to work with somebody in that space, there are a lot of constraints already put in place. And it's an interesting design challenge from that perspective is how can we design around the system constraints and how can we leverage the best experience for the end users given those system constraints? One of the projects we worked on was for a large multinational. Um, and they were making a move to break into a new market. And one of the ways that they were thinking of moving into this new market was basically streamlining the process, um, a very, very rigid process that the maintenance workers would have to follow. Um, usually, in this particular example, a two-man job, and they were looking to streamline that. When we were given a brief, we were told, we want an app for that and we want to streamline things. By the end of that project, we had taken what was previously a two-man job, uh, transformed it into a one-man job. Um, and one particular expert that we were interviewing, he commented that this would have taken uh, a team of two all week to do. Now with this, I can do that same amount of work in one afternoon. Mm -hmm. Now that's massive efficiency gains. So this particular industry that we're talking about here, I, I know like technology, software, streamlining processes is, is something that people that work at desks and work with computers all day, you understand. But this particular industry that we're talking about is more kind of manual in the fields type work where there's a lot of manual uh, processes required. There's a lot of actual physical paperwork. So, you know, marking down things measuring certain devices and you know capturing that kind of information. One of the major inefficiencies, I think, is that, is that I think remember one of the guys who was in that particular project, he says, if I'm working on a job for five, for five days, I could spend the last of those days just doing paperwork alone yeah. for the amount of maintenance that I'm doing. One of the benefits of digital transformation is that you can make those massive efficiencies. You're, you're moving a lot of the paper from the process. In some cases, you do need, uh, you know, for legal reasons or whatever, you do need a paper trail or a paper output at the end of the process. There's so many steps in between that can see the benefits of digitization and, and really, you know, user experience to streamline the process. In that particular project, 
there were there was some guidance in the brief about trying to streamline the the streamline the process but quite a lot of that was picked up during the initial um, design phase, the initial research phase where yourself, Tom, and one of your colleagues picked up on an awful lot of ways that the the people out in the field um, were recording it. You know, for example, you had some people uh, marking stuff down on photocopied sheets of paper that they'd then hand into head office at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. You had other people filling in, um, filling in spreadsheets on their tablets. Um, but there were more advanced actually of the people that were yeah so you had a, a a wide range of lots of people trying to shoehorn um shoehorn in a solution that basically got them to the output at the end of the process and all those things take time to set up all those things take time to translate their working inputs into the required output at the end so we saw a, a benefit of streamlining that and massive efficiencies on the the back office side of those particular industries one of the other big challenges in that project you know in order to be a market disruptor they were looking to really streamline the efficiency of their their product and part of the brief was you know how can how can we conduct the maintenance of these products uh, which was heavily regulated need to be they need to be maintained regularly how can we conduct that in a more efficient way traditionally it would have taken two people to maintain those products and it was quite a lengthy process. And the reason for the second person was basically one person had to be at the device and the other person had to be at a control panel that reported on the device. Because there's there no level of intelligence there between things. It was, it was literally... Literally a wire going from one device, you know, could be hundreds of meters, even kilometers away to a control panel mm-hmm. on another device. So for maintaining these devices, we were actually able to connect directly to the device. So one person could be at the device and carry out the maintenance work and using an application on their, their smartphone would be able to basically look into the insides of that device, see see the, the stats, see all the figures, see the performance in far more detail than the traditional control panel could have done. Control panel and pen and paper type approach, whereas yeah. this was pulling the, the, the information directly from the, the, the device saving it into, into the app and like and completing some of the actual paperwork itself, the digital paperwork. Yeah. yeah. And there was there were even far more benefits. You're talking about a certain component that has a lifespan of two or three years, um, but it could be minimum two or three, let's say minimum two years, um, but it could last and work well for up to five years. Mm-hmm. But there'll be telltale signs of when that device or when that component is actually starting to, to go off, will no longer meet standards in the in the analog days you don't know about that until the red light doesn't go off on the control panel when you're performing maintenance mm-hmm. or you take out the screws and you check something manually yeah yeah whereas if you actually have a you know a window into the device um that window can also have the smarts to let you know okay listen the the performance of this device is starting to degrade you know you you know the next time you're at this device 3 months time you should replace this component that's that's another benefit of having those digital insights into the analog devices that you can maximize not only the efficiency of doing regular maintenance but you can you can improve the efficiency and improve the unlikely chances you have to do unplanned maintenance mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different aspects to the efficiencies you gain you can gain when you're taking a traditionally an analog device and you're you're bringing it into the digital world. Several episodes ago, we had uh, Don Lomani of Verizon's Fleet Maddox on the podcast. I think it was maybe episode 10. 
Um, and he was speaking about their kind of highly detailed suite of products which allow businesses to accurately schedule and monitor fleets of workers remotely. So there's, there's definitely similarities in what those guys are doing and some of, that, some of those other projects that we worked on. With projects like Fleet Balance, you know, one of the key features of the products is automation of and digitization of laborious paper-based workflows, which is what we're talking about here. So capturing those details that up to now would have to be scribbled manually on paper, scanned in, or a photo was taken of that, sent back to the back office, and then tr transposed by someone in the office into uh, an Excel sheet or whatever, you know, manual data entry. So, I mean, there's loads of inefficiencies there. You know, there's numerous people that are involved in something that really doesn't, shouldn't require that many people. If you look at Fleetmatics themselves, in their words, they, you know, some of their business offerings are, uh, they reduce paperwork. So you take schedules, invoices, quotes, and more off the desk uh, onto the cloud. They control your schedule so they can simplify how your schedule and you assign jobs no matter how many times this ch things change this is their actual text here and you can get more done so be more productive by simplifying organizing and managing your day-to-day -day operations so like those are all key things to optimizing a business especially if you've got fleets of workers across the, the country or across the globe so like automating and reducing effort in workflows is something that you know we're seeing more and more of and even in some of our previous podcasts and blog posts that we've written recently and, and many other people are writing about the likes of design systems for digital products. So, you know, one of the key things there is that you're you're generating this this bank uh, and this system that makes things easier to produce things. So you're not wasting time producing reams and reams of screens and uh, different designers working on different things and having different takes on different types of modules and different types of um, building blocks and stuff for, for the user interface. So... Uh, in that sense, it's still it's a sort of automation and kind of streamlining of a workflow. Um, another thing is chatbots for customer service. So this is something we've, we've spoken about before. And there's, there are numerous companies that we know of that are leveraging the power of chatbots to help them with their customer service and stuff. You know, the likes of Intercom come to mind with their new operator. Um, you've also got like Zendesk with their uh, answer bot. Both of those kind of came out around the same time. And if you look to our future of banking piece that we did a number of months ago, we were mocking up designs that were had chatbots allowing you to kind of streamline your uh, finances and help you with some kind of advice along the way as well. So there's lots of opportunities there as well. What are your thoughts there? I think it's really interesting what's going on with chatbots at the moment, but I think it's a stepping stone to what's coming next. And um, we're already seeing a lot of that happening with the machine learning. Um, and this is... This is the bit where I get um I get excited and terrified at the same time. You know, we have we have machine learning already, you know, analyzing our language, parsing our language, breaking down our language into various bits and deciding, you know, trying to figure out what we mean and then recommending some solutions to us in the likes of a chatbot. And we've also seen machine learning um take over some, you know, menial you know, menial tasks in a lot of workflows. And now we're starting to see machine learning taking over what you traditionally consider non-menial tasks, mm -hmm. um, complicated tasks. You know, we see, um, you know, we see uh, the Tesla autonomous driving, um, and some, uh, you know, pretty much every car manufacturer has something to, something to show on on their um, self-driving cars. These advances bring up lots of exciting, challenging, and and potentially, um, you know, legal issues. Uh, you know, for example, with the autonomous vehicles, there's the whole, uh, the whole uh, idea of like who's culpable if a, a self-driving car plows into one person to avoid killing ten people. Mm. Now you should you'd say like, well, if everything is is self-driving, then that kind of scenario doesn't arise, and probably we'll find our, you know, the accidents on our roads will plummet mm. when 
all the cars are self-driving. There's no pesky humans to mess it all up. So there's there's lots of exciting things going on with machine learning and artificial intelligence, and we're going to be doing a piece on that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but suffice to say that at the moment, that's an area ripe for the inputs from designers. When we look at uh, the connected world, we've seen a lot of opportunity for design. It's it's almost overlooked and that's kind of a nature of the of where that where that space is at the moment there's an awful lot of very capable but very insular hardware engineers you know looking at how can you get the best power management out of a particular chip that's going to sit in a light fixture that's going to be one of hundreds of thousands of light fixtures in a building mm. when they're looking at those particular power management challenges they're not thinking about the user experience of the maintenance manager of the facility they're not thinking of the experience of somebody who has to manage uh, manage the the workspace for different people at different times and different teams whether it's the lights or the heating the air conditioning the blinds it really takes focus on user experience to try and uncover all those different implications and to try and take that engineered solution and bring it back to a a more human level and quite often it can be a much more simplified solution when you when you take all the the engineering crud out of it Mm -hmm. and you 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 know you try and bring it back to basics and i'm not saying we dumb things down but we try and bring it back to what's relevant to the people at the time Mm -hmm. those insights that you're talking about there how to understand what your the, the the end user will actually need um it's kind of like giving someone a, a wedding cake when actually all they need is a, is a cupcake or something you know if you're if you're, if you're over engineering something adding all these features on just because you can you can end up giving them something that's you know sunk a lot of investment and it is not as useful as you think it would be yeah yeah you're correct there i think one of the things that we've quite often uncovered in a lot of these types of projects we've uncovered users and and we have personas for users that were quite often didn't even come to mind for the clients you know you could have somebody somebody who has to handle all the paperwork and what how they're used to handling the paperwork what their requirements are what the requirements are for the next person in that chain somebody who has to record the paperwork or is answerable for all that paperwork um so there, there are two aspects, but there are other, there are other aspects. You know, let's say if it's if you're monitoring a device and the device says that you know one particular component inside me is going to go kaput in six months, well then you're also talking about your supply chain and how to how do you make sure that you have the components in the in the maintenance worker's vehicle when they're going out to a particular sites. So there's a, you know, you can uncover a huge array of potential savings for businesses um, when you look a little bit deeper and when you, when you, when you, you know, stick your head above the parapet, look around at all the affected actors in a particular, in a particular process. And then you can figure out which ones are going to be, which ones are going to be most beneficial to focus on, where, where are the greatest savings going to be and focus in on that. And I think, in the whole connected space that is ripe for efficiencies not so much on the the connected aspects the you know the hardware um and the 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 firmware running on those but at the human level and i think that's one thing that's it's missing in the connected space is you know i think humans are 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 grasping at straws a little at the moment when they're trying to design interfaces for things that traditionally don't have interfaces or have very different interfaces you know, if we think of a light switch, 
you know, how do we represent that digitally? How do we represent hundreds or thousands of light switches digitally? How do we represent the heating controls mm-hmm. of a radiator or an aircon system or, you know, a building wide system? How do we represent all the different zones? So lots of lots of brain teasers there for designers. Quite often they're not in the mind of the people designing the components. Sometimes it's our job to take that component level view to look more broadly at the whole system, find where the efficiencies are for all the people that interact with those systems. I noticed a couple of things in common with a couple of the uh, industrial type devices that we worked on. Um, there was a t- an entire ecosystem of people that were involved that required the, uh, the the whole connected thing to work very correctly. So you've got people coming in, guys who did commissioning, there's guys who do maintenance, there's numerous different roles that were that kind of relied on each other. And I almost thought of it as a kind of like a relay race where you got like you're in re- when you're setting it up, you're relying on someone who could be like a contractor to to do their part in order to for you, for the next person to come along and take up the, the baton and and move on in a in a productive way in these you know cutting edge advances in industrial processes and commercial processes quite often there isn't thought given to the the design user experience design some of these users the company knows about and other users they don't know about and it, it, it's by engaging with the likes of us that we uncover those hidden users that they're not aware of where there can be further efficiencies but more importantly it's it's how to take something that like i said in the connected space it's all very engineering driven there are solutions built because they can rather than they should but how to take some of those solutions and make them more meaningful for real people. I think that's one of the biggest challenges in the connected space. You're not only talking about the greater efficiencies and streaming the workforces, you're also talking about taking something that's traditionally very engineering and solution focused and making it not only easy to use, but a pleasure to use. Mm. You know, it's something we've, we've seen again and again in the enterprise software space that people Workers are expecting that the software that they use in work is up to scratch, up to the level of the software that they use in their personal lives. And we've seen that we've seen that so much in the last five years. And it's something that kind of ironically, the cutting edge connected spaces seem to have almost overlooked. You know, you have you have an awful lot of connected connected solutions for big industry with very, very rudimentary interfaces, sometimes even command line interfaces, mm. or it's a very rudimentary control panel on the likes of IBM Bluemix or Amazon Web Services. So we try and abstract that back up to the human level. And it's a challenge, and it's an exciting challenge. Like, how do you design for interfaces that don't have traditional interfaces or where the traditional interface is uh, an analog switch or an analog knob? And we're talking about collections of hundreds of thousands of those and Mm -hmm. how to organize them and how to organize them in a way that makes sense for somebody interacting with that control panel that virtual control panel and i think we're getting into even more exciting spaces where even that digital interface itself isn't going to be a visual interface that's moving towards voice interfaces Mm -hmm. with with the likes of alexa Uh, and we've seen it in, in inside a lot of industry as well um, and also an augmented interface um, where, you know, we, we saw, you know, the Google Glass was received uh, rather skeptically by the public. I think it planted a seed in people's minds. And when 
when the next iterations of those are rolling out and actually they are rolling out you know we have a, a company based here in dublin that are making smart helmets with augmented interfaces um those things are actually coming into into daily use in in workers lives i think google glass helped that along even though it didn't really succeed i think it planted the seed that this is okay mm-hmm. um the next few years are going to be a really exciting time to be a designer working these spaces i think one of the most important things for the likes of us is to go out there and show companies where they can investing in design can really have a massive impact further down the chain great stuff thanks very much for your time today kieran thanks tom for more information go to eachanother.com and if you haven't done so already subscribe to conversations with each another on itunes soundcloud stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from Till next time.